Hi, this is Bianca. And this is Anna. Your hosts of Girl Talk Monday's podcast, where we discuss the world of fashion, self-confidence, and everything in between. In this new series, we interview inspiring women making a mark in their fields. Whether that be business leaders, CEOs, marketeers, or entrepreneurs, we want to share their success stories with you. In this week's episode, we are joined by guest Tara Schwartz, neuroscientist, PhD graduate, leadership coach, and best-selling author of The Source a book on self-development to open your mind and change your life. At the core of the conversation is the talk on self-development and mental health, where we discuss the importance of a brain and body connection, how to transform your mindset, and why being in control of your brain is so crucial to your personal growth to live the dream life you desire. We discuss what the meaning behind the source is, the concept of brain agility and neuroplasticity, and how to explain the law of attraction with a scientific background. Tara helps people to achieve mental resilience, improve their ability to manage stress, balance emotions, and reach their peak brain performance. From journaling to creating a vision board, we discuss many practical exercises to put this into practice. We hope you find this episode insightful and inspiring into how you can find your purpose and better shape your life. So welcome to Girl Talk Mondays. Mondays. To begin, as a former medical psychiatrist turned leadership coach, board advisor, and best-selling author with a PhD, um, what first sparked your interest in neuroscience? It's a really good question because I think my career has been quite varied, so it doesn't always like obviously make sense. But actually, when I was at medical school, so when I first started university, after um, year two, you had to pick special topics for year three. And I just like the neuro part of every topic. So we were doing anatomy, physiology, pharmacology. And I just found the neuro element of all of those the most interesting. So I guess it started then, sort of three years into university. And after that year, I got the chance to do my PhD um, in neuropharmacology. So I took three years out of medical school, did that, thinking that I'd become a neurologist. But when I went back to medical school, I just thought psychiatry was so interesting because it's like about your mood and how you think and how you feel and you know sort of thought that would be interesting forever and it was very interesting for seven years but then I guess a bit like you um I just I like to change it up so I you know wanted to do something different and that's when I discovered coaching Mm -hmm. I always wanted to like run my own business but I didn't know anything about it so Mm -hmm. I'd gone from a very safe job you know like a profession with a salary every month to suddenly starting from nothing and you know having to mm-hmm. to build that up and so I've actually really seen how entrepreneurial and creative I am which I mm-hmm. are not things that I ever thought I was so that's you know very exciting and I think even in the last 10-12 years that I've been running the business and so interestingly it started during the global financial crisis when those oh, people wow. stressed yeah mm-hmm. so as a former psychiatrist I you know I actually you know that worked quite well mm-hmm. and now we're in another crisis yeah. Um, yeah. and there's lots of men <laughs> mental health issues yeah. so um my work I just sort of try to change what I offer depending on like what's needed and what's mm-hmm. kind of going on in the world so obviously if at times of mental health crisis I I go back to my sort of my psychiatry based coaching but in between I've been like the world's first neuroscientist in residence at a hotel so I was at Corinthia Hotel in London for a year and um, I've done some work with Annabelle's private members club mm-hmm. and I'm an ambassador for Aromatherapy. So 
one of the things I really want to show, especially like young girls, is that the stereotype of being a scientist isn't like yeah. that you're just in a lab and mm -hmm. Yeah, there's lots of really exciting things that you can do with it. Um, so, and then with writing, which I actually find really difficult. Um, I love speak, public speaking. I love coaching, but um, people sort of always say, said that I should write a book about neuroscience and leadership. And I had some amazing co-authors, so I did write that with them. But the source, my latest book, is really like all of my philosophy about science and spirituality in in one thing. And like, even though it was quite hard work for me, I really want neuroscience to be for everyone not just for the people that I coach and you know who can come to the talks at conferences that I give so I felt like writing a book was really important to make it accessible. So I've actually read your book which is why I wanted to have you on the podcast and I read it when I was going through like a difficult time a few mm. months ago so it was the start of lockdown and everything was kind of changing in my life I came out of a very long-term relationship I was thinking about my career and I came across your book and I want you to talk more about this because it has actually been so helpful for like finding myself again and finding my purpose and being like a good guidance because not only do you talk about like self-development and different topics from like a scientific perspective, you talk about how the brain works and all these different concepts that interlink to finding yourself and finding your happiness and also giving really practical tools for this. So before we begin talking about all these great things in your book, what is the meaning behind the source? Like what is the source? First of all, I really just want to say it makes me so happy to hear you say that it's helped you. And I do get like so many lovely messages like that. And that, you know, that's made all the hard work really worthwhile. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that during lockdown, a lot of people have even like reread it because it's, mm -hmm. you know, a difficult time and things have changed for people like in their own minds as well as um, in the world. So the source is basically your brain at its best. So it's like your best self. Mm -hmm. um, because we all have sort of patterns and habits and um, behaviors that we've, we've just always been doing. And so we just carry on being like the way that we always have. And we're all too busy to really take that time to step back and think, okay, like how do I want my life to be? Like what habits do I, you know, really want to like, bring up in my life and what do I maybe want to get rid of mm -hmm. and so it basically um I use the phrase autopilot like we just yeah. we just carry on living like quite mm -hmm. mindlessly mm -hmm. and I think that it takes something like a breakup or um you know something like lockdown to make you think about okay I need to take the time to like go inside and really find out like how my brain works what makes me tick and like what I want from life mm -hmm. and because obviously from my perspective um everything in your life, your health, your wealth, your happiness, your relationships, mm. comes originally from the way that you use your brain. So finding out more about that and using it just in more ways than we naturally do. So we're capable of being creative, intuitive, um, emotionally intelligent, but we might not be doing all of those things all the time. But if you do them more, then mm. you can make your life better, basically. So for someone that hasn't read the book yet, what would you say are kind of the main lessons that you talk about or the main key points? Um, well, like Bianca said, it's very, very practical and accessible. But mm -hmm. I am going to say like two really sciencey words, which is that it's all based on neuroplasticity and brain yeah. agility. But I'll explain what those are. So neuroplasticity okay. is the fact that your brain can change no matter what age you are. If you say, you know, like, 
I've always been this way or, you know, this is this is just the way that life's worked out for me. It's challenging that kind of belief and saying that mm -hmm. actually you can start up new patterns in your relationships, in your, like, health um, habits, in your lifestyle behaviours and things like that. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then brain agility is kind of what I just mentioned about more ways of thinking. So it's about mastering your emotions, mm -hmm. really understanding your brain-body connection, um, listening to your inner voice, like your intuition. Yeah making good decisions um which sounds very basic but you know where you are in your life is the result of all the decisions that you've ever made and you know mm -hmm. things like relationship decisions can have a really big impact on the rest of your life um mm -hmm. motivation and resilience and then creativity and so what i sort of say is um if you're kind of logical and creative that's great but if you also bring in the intuition the emotional mastery the listening to your body how much more you could get it out of life um mm -hmm. so those are the two science sort of foundations of the book but then i actually write about the laws of attraction and visualization and making what i call an action board which is a vision board mm -hmm. so it's like images of how you want your life to be but the action part is that you actually have to do things every day to progress to yourself not just mm -hmm. sit on the sofa and that those things are going to come true. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And actually, from a scientific perspective, because I believe in the law of attraction, and both Anna and I have constantly been speaking about this, yeah. but I think there was it's quite difficult to find a real grounding as to why do you believe in it. Sometimes yeah. it's nice to believe in something because it makes you feel good, it makes mm -hmm. you happy, but I can't trust in something unless there is proof that this will work. And mm -hmm. the proof will be you know, hidden behind data and facts. Um, so from a scientific perspective, what is the law of attraction in that sense? And how does it work, really? Yeah, so I'm exactly the same as you. I've always been fascinated by the law of attraction, but I've kind of thought, like, that's my personal life and the science, you know, and work is separate. Yeah. So when I had the idea of writing the book, I, I remember I was in the south of France on holiday and I had, my, I had taken my laptop because I was thinking about researching the book. And I looked up the laws of attraction and generally there's agreement that there's 12, but people actually, they're, they're slightly different in different places. So I sort of distilled down to the 12 that were most commonly agreed upon and started looking into the science behind them. And like immediately I realized 10 of the 12 I can explain with cognitive science like really easily. And that was quite a like, sort of like aha moment because I thought, just like you said, mm. so many people are into the laws of attraction. Yeah. If I can show how it works in your brain, that's going to be like really huge. And then, yeah. you know, there are a couple of elements that you can't prove at the moment with science that we have. But mm. I sort of thought, if 10 out of 12 can be backed by science, then it's your choice to either like not do the other two or think, well, it's not going to harm me. So mm. I'll do like all 12. But I then bunched it into six themes, and the top one is abundant thinking. Yeah. So um, it's natural for us to, to think negatively because that's like a survival emotion from like cave time. So like, you know, if you were attacked by a saber-toothed tiger, you know, you know that that's something you need to run away from and that kept you safe. And so even though our lives aren't like that anymore, physically, we fear sort of like social or psychological losses. Yeah. And so to keep us safe, you know, part of a tribe, part of a community, the way that our brain works is like it's twice as strong an emotion about fear of loss than it is about the excitement of getting a reward. Mm -hmm. So we have to work really hard to override that and not let our brains naturally say, like, 
don't get into a new relationship because remember how terrible it was the last time you broke up or don't yeah. do a career change because you know it's too risky you won't be able to make it work it's safer mm-hmm. to stay in your current job and yeah or like don't go and live in a different country because you won't you know be difficult to like make a new group of friends and so yeah your brain actually brings up lots of negative memories to try to keep you safe but once you know that you can choose to take some healthy risks and of course that opens up so many more opportunities mm-hmm. in life so how can you how can you practice this in your everyday life if you know if you feel like you're stuck and you feel like you're in a place where you don't really want to be in but you're also not really sure how to take steps every single day to move forward what are some of the key mm-hmm. things that one can start changing in order to start making some progress that's a really good question and i'm going to answer it in like with one big thing that you can do and then mm-hmm. lots of little things that you can do because you know it sort of depends yeah. how you're feeling physically mentally and emotionally about what you can actually you know manage mm-hmm. so the small things would be all the things around um healthy lifestyle behaviors so mm-hmm. about sleep diet hydration exercise and some form of mindfulness mm-hmm. and so with that i always say change 10 things by 1% rather than try to make one big change. So let's say you're you're you know you're you're in a real slump and you haven't been exercising as much as you think you should. Yeah. Don't suddenly say I'm going to start going to the gym three times a week or I'm going to mm-hmm. do Peloton every day. Mm-hmm. Just like start moving around a bit more at home, start doing mm-hmm. half an hour of yoga. Mm-hmm. Um you know start getting back onto the Peloton. Um and build it up little by little and, and things like sleep often when people are really stressed like their sleep gets affected so i just say like go to bed half an hour early like take mm. some magnesium or have like a nice bath before bed and kind of get yourself into that state where your sleep gets improved mm-hmm. drinking water you know it's a really small thing but a lot of people don't drink enough so just remembering to increase that and the thing about those things are they improve the physical condition of your brain and that starts to have an effect on like how you feel mentally mm. and emotionally and spiritually and stuff like that but at the other end of the spectrum the one thing i suggest everybody does to really get you know into out of the life they don't want into the life they do want is to make this action board yeah um and traditionally it was like get a pile of magazines and you know see what images you're drawn to and cut them out mm-hmm. now that that's a little bit harder um you can do it on pinterest and there's also a really good app called corculus that's like a cork mm-hmm. board that you can stick oh, nice. things onto okay. so yeah, that's quite a few good ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I found that that is really helpful, but I think it's not only useful for changing something in your life, because I happened to read the book when I wanted to make a change, when I was feeling low and I wanted to feel better and also find a new purpose. But I think that's also something that everyone should be doing in order to stay mm-hmm. on the right track. Yeah. It's so easy now to get distracted by social media, what other people yeah. are doing. There's so much going on. You also want to take as many opportunities that come your way as possible. And I found personally that that is quite difficult to end up taking a lot of really good opportunities, but then you're not giving your 100% to everything and you Mm -hmm. kind of get overwhelmed and there's this distraction. Mm -hmm. So doing these exercises, I feel like helps keep you grounded really. But as you mentioned in your book as well, you spoke about doing like a vision board and action board kind of like yearly your course of direction will change and how have you seen this like whether it's personal or with clients um has it ever been where they didn't achieve anything or anything that came close to what was on the vision board but actually 
life took its course in a different way. So I completely agree with you. You can't control everything that goes on. And I actually really believe in leaving a bit of room for magic. Mm -hmm. yeah. So my vision board is never completely full. I actually purposely leave space on it so that something that I didn't, couldn't have thought of could happen. Mm -hmm. And the lovely thing about that is that you don't set any limits on yourself. Mm -hmm. So you, you ask for the things that you want, but you also say, if there's some great opportunity that I can't yet imagine, mm -hmm. then you know, I'd love to be open to having that opportunity too. Mm -hmm. I have to say, I've never heard anyone say that they didn't achieve anything on their vision board. I mean, <laughs> maybe those people don't DM me, but all <laughs> DMs I get from people saying like, like I got engaged, I got pregnant, oh, wow. I, you know, I yeah. got my dream home. So it works, mm -hmm. exactly. I've even had pictures, yeah, it really, really works. <laughs> I, I know it's worked for me for like 10 years and mm -hmm. I made all my friends do it. And mm -hmm. you know, it was around the time we were that sort of age that everybody wanted to get engaged and then like yeah. get pregnant and stuff. So I, I know a lot of real life stories of that. <laughs> mm -hmm. But after I wrote the book, when I started hearing from strangers yeah. stories of how their vision boards had come true, I was just blown away. And like, you know, I literally would get a DM and then I'd go, like running to find my husband and say, you're not going to believe this, and, you know, read him out the story. And yeah. There are things like people send me photos of this is where I am mm. and look at my vision board from last year. It's like That's exactly crazy. the same image. It's incredible. Yeah. And, um, but I had the craziest story recently. From, I won't say who it is, but it's somebody that I did a podcast with last year. Okay. Um, <laughs> she sent me an email saying, manifestation of visualization really does work. So mm -hmm. she said... It wasn't planned, but I've become pregnant during lockdown, and mm. um, you know we're really happy about it. But it just—it mm. wasn't planned. Yeah. And then she said, "I looked back at my vision board from the beginning of the year, and it was all about travel and you know all the things I was going to do with my business. But right in the centre was a tiny image of a nursery Aww. with a little crib in it. And she said, "I was making space to have a baby next year. I didn't intend to have one this year, but it's <laughs> right in the middle of my vision board." Yeah. Aww. And she said, um, she said she'd been doing vision boards before, but she mm -hmm. said, I, after reading your book, you said that, that where you place things mm -hmm. on the vision board mm -hmm. is really important. Yeah. And, and she said, there it is, right in the centre. Yeah. Um, and she said, I can't believe I've manifested this baby without really planning to. <laughs> so I thought that was a really cool story. Yeah. It is really crazy. And sometimes you end up thinking, like, is this just a coincidence mm -hmm. or did I really attract this? And the whole point of your book and yeah the concept that really resonated with me is that you can change the course of direction of your life and you don't have to be living on autopilot just by you know focusing on your brain body connection and being aware of how you're living your life you can change things and that's just really that's just the proof of it in itself yeah and i think i mean you can't you can't grasp an opportunity that you haven't noticed and mm -hmm. we're all so busy and like you said we're also distracted now particularly mm -hmm. you know by social media that mm -hmm. often you're walking on the street and you're looking and so like you know if you walk past I for example you wouldn't even you, you might not even like notice that you've you know walked past someone interesting or mm -hmm. you know did you ever used to play Tetris when you were little yeah on a game boy I did yeah <laughs> Okay, Anna, do you remember if you played it last thing at night that when you closed your eyes you could see the little bricks yeah. falling down? <laughs> so that's yeah. how a vision board works. It, yeah. If you look at it last thing at night, mm -hmm. it makes a, such a strong impression on your subconscious that mm. every day when you're walking around, you're more likely to notice things that are related to the images on your action board yeah. than if you don't have one and you don't look at it. Oh, so it's cool. about filtering your attention 
mm-hmm. basically bringing those things to the front of your mind because you know you might have at the back of your mind I'd like to get married I'd like to have a family but mm. if you're you know so busy running your businesses doing all your jobs mm. doing your podcast and everything mm-hmm. you might not be doing enough to make that come true mm-hmm. but if you you know highlighted it in your mind that this is really important to me then you're more likely to do things but yeah. also to notice opportunities and I think that's really the key yeah so I actually have a question about the law of attraction. Um, I kind of, I read a book called The Secret a long time ago, many years ago. And after that, I kind of started implementing it into my life from around when I was like 16, 17. So a long time ago. And, um, you know, I really realized that I was... I was attracting things that I thought of in a moment. So if I was like, you know, I would really love to go and get my hair done tomorrow. It was like, it just happened. Someone messaged me and said like, hey, do you want to come in uh, tomorrow and get um, a new uh, hairstyle? Something like that. But then when it was something that was very important to me, I kind of dwelled on it so much that it didn't happen or it took a long time to come into fruition. And I find it really hard to find a balance between that because a lot of the times I see that when it's something that's not as important maybe but I just think of it quickly and I I think you know I would love that to happen it happens but if it's something that I put a lot of energy into it just doesn't so I don't know how to find a balance that's that's so um insightful and I I love it because I was listening to you and I was thinking yeah when you live in that mode of being really expansive and Mm -hmm. you know believing in manifestation you see how much it happens and that's really wonderful but of course you know it's not like we can control everything you know it's not sort of like a a sort of mental superpower and that's why in the book I wrote about things like harmony and patience Mm -hmm. and universal connection and so what they sort of say is that you can't you know it has to be sort of in keeping with what's right in the world and it can't you know it can't be something that disadvantages somebody else and advantages you sort of Mm. got to like have a good balance that's kind of spiritually but the patience piece is where we've talked about neuroplasticity and changing your you know your subconscious beliefs and your thought patterns that sometimes takes time and and so what i'm hearing from you is when you say it's a bigger more important thing Mm. I'm guessing that deep down in your subconscious, you have some reservations about whether you deserve that thing. Yeah. yeah. Maybe some fear about if it actually comes true, like, yeah. what, you know, what will I do? Like, my life will change kind of mm-hmm. thing. So mm-hmm. it's actually still in your control because for some reason, you're not really sure that you want it or you deserve it or, like, mm. you know, that you'll deal with it. So that's, that's much more likely what's holding you back. Now, of course, there could be external factors that are holding it back from happening. Yeah. But the thing that you can change is your mind. And yeah. so that's what I love about the science backing up the law of attraction, which is if you now dig deeper and say, okay, is there a reason that I'm actually not manifesting this? Yeah. I think you'll find, you'll find yeah. out. And as soon as you know what it is, mm-hmm. it will change that. Yeah, it's just strange because I feel it in me. I can feel when there is a blockage on something. Mm -hmm. Like, I can feel like, okay, yeah, this isn't going to happen yet because I can tell that I'm not ready for it or I haven't gotten to a point where it can come into my life naturally. And, yeah, it just frustrates me sometimes because I can see things happening so easily with other things. Um, But, yeah, no, it's just really interesting to understand how it works. Yeah, I think just keep going and know that it will happen when the time is right. And in, Mm -hmm. in a way, if you then sort of... You leave it like a little seed growing in yeah. your mind, you know, but you don't put it away, you don't forget about it, but mm-hmm. you don't focus on the fact that it's not happening, you just sort of 
let it, you know, happen. So yeah, I mean, I think even with my manifestation, I have some things, you know, when I really put my mind to it, like around the summer solstice, I was like, okay, for two weeks, I'm just going to be like the most expensive and let mm-hmm. these things happen. And it was really, yeah. it was really fun because it kind of did happen and it was very encouraging. But of course, I have bigger long-term projects that feel like they're stuck in limbo, going nowhere. But I just believe that, you know, they'll happen at the right time. Do you believe that um, astrology and uh, the law of attraction are connected in some sort of way? Or do you think Ooh, that... I've never been asked that before. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I'm into astrology. So, mm-hmm. and I think of all the sort of alternative things out there, Mm-hmm. The actual positions of planets and stars and moons, like, that I've, you know, I believe that there's, like, something scientific to that. Yeah. Um, so are they connected, though? I really don't know. Why did you ask that? Do you think they are? I, th- I think they are. Um, I have this thing, Bianca knows I won't stop talking about mm-hmm. astrology, and I won't stop <laughs> talking about the law of attraction and that kind of thing. And I just have a feeling that it's the energy of the two are connected in some way, and things move and people move and people meet because they have a connection based on, you know, when they were born or what they're like as people or how they grow mm-hmm. into who they are. And I kind of feel like the way you grow into the person you want to become, that has to do with law of attraction, but then also your origins and who you are as a person kind of comes from astrology in a way. So I don't know. I just feel like... In, in I totally, of, so, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with everything that you said, but I think that there isn't really a way to, like, prove it at the moment. No, but my no. astrologer... So, so I once said to him, like, everybody who was born in the same minute as me can't be having, like, exactly the same life as me. So, like, how does this work? And he said, think of it like a coat. It's how you wear it. Yeah. So, you know, all three of us could have the same coat, but, we, you know, it's how we wear it. So mm-hmm. in that sense, I think that, that that's the only way I can say that they're, they're connected, astrology and the law of attraction, because if we all had exactly the same birth date and time, it's the law of attraction that would show up what the differences are in our lives, yeah. wouldn't it? So it's the, it's the way you think and therefore what you do based on that that, that makes all the, the alterations in an otherwise similar life. So, like, you know, even with twins and stuff, you, know, you can have a twin that's very positive and abundant and, you know, manifests lots of things. You can have one that's not like that at all so and then it comes down also to your personality traits so I think there's a whole lot of factors internally and externally that play into the law of attraction and then it's also what you believe so it's nice that you believe that they have yeah I think so a connection and sometimes you don't need the proof (laughs) yeah I mean I think the the way you've said that I would say that the laws of attraction astrology and psychology are basically Mm -hmm. all connected Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so going back to when you spoke about brain agility and like six ways of thinking and how you can how you actually should incorporate all of them in some form into your life. When I was going through that, because you also talk about a really interesting like technique. So to bring out a couple different life experiences or like major life decisions you had to make and then rate which, you know, aspects of these six ways of thinking you have utilized and then that kind of makes you reflect back on what you need to focus more on or which way of thinking you're really good at. So I wanted to go a bit more in depth onto like the different types of thinking and how you feel you can focus on all of them. So I think the best way to start to realize what your patterns are, like how you think, is to do journaling. Mm -hmm. Um, And just write like, you know, 
what happens to you, how you feel emotionally, if there's a big decision, like a relationship decision, you know, what's your inner voice, like your intuition telling you, and do you listen to it or not? So, for example, I think what I see with many, like, women between, like, the ages of 20 to 40 mm. is that when a relationship is ending, you're so aware of it deep down inside, and you know that it's ending, but you don't want it to, that you don't listen to your intuition, and you drag it out, you stay in the relationship, and then it ends anyway, and you sort of end up thinking, I should have done this months ago. And I, you know, I knew that this was yeah. going to happen. So I think that's the best example of your intuition being so good, but us not listening to it mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so journaling, just again, a little bit like I said with the action boards, it just brings to the front of your mind, like how you're thinking mm -hmm. and how much you repeat the same sorts of behaviours. So I think I, I always say journaling, it's good in terms of like getting stuff off your mind, but reading back over it is where you really learn about yourself. Mm -hmm. And so even in like the language that you use, you'll notice things like if you ignore like messages from your body, like butterflies in your stomach or little, you know, like nervous laughter and things like that. But if, mm -hmm. if you write about physical things as well, then you'll just get that better connection to your body, which you get if you do yoga or sport and things mm -hmm. like that. But some people, you know, don't connect so well. So I think like even for small decisions, but definitely for bigger ones, you can actually go through and ask yourself like, how am I feeling emotionally? Is there any like feeling in my body that can guide me about like, you know, how I should be going about this? What's my inner voice saying? Logically, what do I think is the right thing to do? Mm -hmm. You know, what might be motivating me to do or not do certain things? And then mm -hmm. there's creative thinking, which is like, you know, what's a crazy different way to think about this problem? Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, I really like creative mentoring, which is where you pick somebody that you really admire or even like yourself in 10 years time or something. Mm -hmm. And you basically ask your problem to that person and then mm -hmm. you, you journal the answer yourself. So it's coming from your, your wisdom. Yeah. But it's sort of stepping you out of your own situation. Because when you're in the middle of a, you know, a personal and an important to you situation, it's quite hard to think clearly. So those six mm -hmm. ways mm -hmm. is a good way to just step back a bit and work through a problem and basically it uses up all of your you know all the different parts of your brain so it gets you sort of the best most rounded answer but i guess it's also about knowing which aspect of your brain to use in which situations because when it comes to work i might want to be more logical less emotional um then you also need to have this sense of intuition as well to know whether something is going to work out or not when it comes to my personal life, I tend to be a lot more like intuitive and emotional about things, a little bit less rational. So it comes to a point where, yeah, I've looked back on the past and there were decisions that I made that I could have done very differently, but it came out how it did and that's how I am as a person moving forward to better understand like where to utilize these six ways of thinking and how to actually make better decisions in life. I think that's a really good tip. That's, that's absolutely what it's about, you know, and I think even, even just, I know that you've read the book, and so, but even the way you say, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be so emotional at work, the reason I use the, the term master your emotions is mm -hmm. that we all have emotions, we can't not have them, mm -hmm. but the better that you are at recognising when they're in play, mm -hmm. it's exactly what you said, like, because you're so aware of these things now, you can turn up and turn down which parts of your brain you're using for different situations, and that's exactly the result that I would, would want. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you've also spoken about journaling, and 
this is something I've, I've been doing since I was so young because I love to write. So ever since I could like pick up a pen and write, I would be, it would not be journaling in the same way, but it would be like writing in a diary. And we spoke yeah. about this the other day where yeah. Anna looked back on a very old like yeah. journal that she wrote. And it's just really funny to like reflect on because you can also see how much you've changed as a person and the things you thought were important at one point now you would think completely the opposite but when I started this like new self-development journey a few months ago during lockdown rather than writing in a journal I thought it would be an interesting exercise to journal vocally I don't know how, how you would feel about like which one is more productive versus writing versus doing it vocally but when I did it vocally I could start to notice a pattern in my emotions, actually, which you can't get when you're writing things down. That's so cool. I love that. And I think, you know, from the neuroscience point of view, it's just about getting it out of your brain. So whether you mm -hmm. speak it out loud or you write it down, mm -hmm. both of those are, are great. It's just that you shouldn't keep just thinking over and over something in your mind and never actually get it out of your mind. Mm -hmm. um, you just reminded me, actually, that I had a, a friend who was in Thailand when the tsunami happened a few years oh, ago. Gosh. And as part of her therapy, she had to do video journaling. So that was, you know, so I think video, audio, or writing, um, yeah. they're all really good. It's just about pressing these emotions rather than keeping them in. Yeah, and I think that is an extremely important thing for me because generally as a person, I know that I tend to keep things in until I'm ready to share them. Mm -hmm. So by writing things down or by speaking about it to no one but myself, mm -hmm. it feels really liberating and it feels really nice and you suddenly have a weight off your shoulder and the day might not be amazing, but you'll I'll always feel a little bit better. That's what I've noticed. Mm -hmm. How how would you go about so in your day-to-day -day life when you surround yourself with people and of course like a lot of your friends you can choose but then sometimes with your family or with people you know for a really long time you can't really choose always to be around them or to be with them in certain moments and you might have a different mindset to them um, do you ever see that you know people come to you and they say you know I have this difficult part in my life where someone doesn't understand me and they don't want to understand me because they don't have an open mind and they don't want to you know understand how I feel um what kind of advice do you say to those people that feel like they have people around them that won't change and don't want to change yeah that's such a good question there's actually an exercise in the book called the people tree okay yeah um, where yeah <laughs> you write down the, the five people that either that you spend the most time with or just that influence your life the most yeah and then for each one, you write down five words that describe them. And so, you know, like a balanced description, there can be some good good points and, and not so good points. Mm. And there's two parts to this exercise. One is about what you've just asked about, which is how hanging around with people with certain characteristics, mm. like, influences you. Because mm. there's a lot of research about social contagion, yeah. which is that, you know, you, you basically what you see going on around you becomes your social norm. Mm. And so... If you know everyone your age is getting engaged, then you feel a lot of pressure that that should be happening to you. Mm. But a, you know, a few years down the line, if everybody's having babies, then that seems you know very normal. And then, if a few more years down the line, one of your friends gets divorced, then actually the percentage likelihood of you getting divorced goes up because it becomes more socially acceptable. So mm. let's say you know if the relationship, a marriage, hadn't been going that well but you, you sort of stay together because like everybody stays together and that's kind of how it works around here mm -hmm. then when somebody around you gets divorced it's more likely to feel like actually 
maybe it's okay to do that. So mm-hmm. things like obesity, if all your friends are overweight, then it's much more likely that you'll be overweight as well. So um, actually, before my book came out, there was a big double page spread in the newspaper, and they, you know, it's journalism, so they basically said, if your friends are fat or getting divorced, ditch them, but that's not what it means. <laughs> um, it's just about understanding like the impact that it has on you, and mm-hmm. so there's the other sort of part of that exercise is about looking at the 25 words that you've written down and really reflecting on them until you can accept that those words describe you as well, because it's likely that, you know, you're, you're kind of like the five people you spend the most time with. Mm. So in the book, I talked about what you've asked about in terms of neuroplasticity. So with neuroplasticity, you can grow some new neurons, you can connect up the neurons you've got already, and if you don't use certain neural pathways, they generally sort of just wither away from disuse. Mm. And so what you've asked about basically comes down to boundaries. And so with people who are negative, people who don't champion you, maybe they criticise you or, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're just like, there's people that will always say, Anna, you know, whatever you set your mind to, you can do. Mm-hmm. And there'll always be people who will say like, oh, do you really think, you know, mm-hmm. do you think you're going to be good at that? And it's not even like they're being horrible, but they're, they're probably like intention is good. Mm-hmm. But with people like that, you have to have a very strong boundary. You either have to spend less time with them or you have to not tell them about like your you know deepest desires and plans because they might say oh you know that's that's not going to work for you Mm -hmm. and that obviously has an impact on you or you just have very strong boundaries and if somebody says I don't think you can do that you say I think I can I mean you know when I changed career there's a lot of times that I have to say to people Mm -hmm. no I am going to do this and and, you know I remember I can't remember who it was now what they said but I remember saying to someone I think I can Mm-hmm. And it's very important to respond back to the person and to yourself. Yeah. To not let that thought go into your head. You know, another example is before I give a talk at a conference, I do a bit of deep breathing. I might do a Wonder Woman pose or something like that. But you know, occasionally someone will come up to me and say, "Are you nervous?" And I always immediately say, "No, I don't get nervous before I do a talk because I don't even want that word to go into my head. Yeah. Like just before I'm yeah. about to like get up on the stage in front of hundreds of people." So I think it's about like, boundaries in terms of how you deal with that person, but also in your own head, mm. not letting that stuff get to you, realising that that's, that's about that person, that's their attitude, it's not, doesn't mean anything about you. I think it's a, it's a funny one how you said that someone asked you, are you nervous right before going on stage? Because I feel like that always happens to me where I'm asked that question before doing some kind of presentation, talk, um, yeah. or big change or whatever it is. And I feel like it also comes down to not nothing to say about you, but like insecurities of another person. And so mm. going back on the boundaries, it's about knowing exactly who you should be surrounded by because they make you better and spending less time with people who bring out this negative energy because that's not going to affect the course of your life in a positive way. So I thought that was just a really interesting point. Mm. But also to go back on the the tree diagram that you spoke about in your book, where you write down the most important people in your life, and then you write down characteristics, like personality traits about each person that you find like really strong. And then in that, you've mentioned you can see yourself in each one of the, per- the people. Mm-hmm. And that was such a good reflection exercise because all the people closest to me, yeah, there were different parts of them that I could see in myself too. <laughs> what did you write? <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I just know. I'll tell you after. But I spoke about like family and close friends, and then different traits of them. Mm. And then when I was looking back on it, I said, "Yeah, I actually am like this person in this way, and mm. this person in this way." Mm-hmm. And then that also helps you to understand whether you're with the right people. Yeah, you see ourselves in others. Yeah. So true. Yeah. I definitely think you need to lend her the book, Bianca. Yeah, yeah, I, think I will. So too. I've been trying to get it from her. But. I know. <laughs> so I just wanted to end on a bit of a personal question for you. Then, are you living the life you dream of right now? And if there is anything you could go back and change in your life, would you? Such a good question. Um, I'm definitely, you know, one of my mantras is I'm, I'm a no regrets kind of person. I I believe personally, and the neuroscience really backs it up that you know you're the person that you are today because of everything that you've done in your life. You know. You may have, you know, who hasn't made some mistakes in their life, but I've ended up where I am, and I'm very grateful for where I am. Um, I was actually reflecting on some personal development work that I've been doing through lockdown, and I basically realised that if, you know, when, when you sort of think about your ideal life, I definitely feel like I'm, I mean, so the life that I wanted, I sort of built myself by building my business, to, um, you know, having the balance and the variety that I wanted from that. Um, in romance, I've just been so, so lucky. You know, I met my husband a few years ago and I got married recently and mm-hmm. I've got an amazing stepson. And like, mm-hmm. I couldn't have imagined having, you know, those, having the family life that I've got now. That's beyond mm-hmm. my wildest oh, expectations. Um, but I did, you know, my reflection was that I've always felt like I had to, fight to make my career change you know fight to be successful in a man's world and that kind of thing and I look back and I thought maybe I didn't actually have to fight so much like everything Mm -hmm. turned out so good but um I just feel like what I want to do now is just go with the flow and just like be like really happy with everything that I've got Mm -hmm. and stuff and just Mm -hmm. move into that phase of my life um of trying to do these different things so like you know a bit like you Mm -hmm. you know I love all the little like quirky changes that you've made beginning of the year I thought you know I actually really love skincare and beauty like I'd love to be doing more in that Mm -hmm. and you know people sort of like well why would a neuroscientist do that but then in February I got the aromatherapy associates Mm -hmm. thing and like and now you know I'm doing more and more of it and I'm sort of like so pleased with myself so Mm -hmm. I think yeah I'll try to do like fun and different things but I feel like I am living my best life yeah and that's really Good. positive to hear because it's something to look up to as well. And when people yeah. are feeling low, you can always know that you will. I like to believe that you will find your dream life. You will live, live the life that you want. Yeah. Yeah. Thank oh, you so much. So nice. Yeah, this was such a good, insightful conversation. Yeah. I've learned so much through you, through this conversation and through your book. And I definitely recommend everyone listening to the podcast that you read it. It's yeah. called The Source. Yeah. But I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Tara, yeah, for joining thank us. Thank you. Thank you for having me.